Last week, we talked about going after the lost treasure of the spiritual disciplines of Christ. There is, however, an important question that needs to be asked concerning the proposition of going after the lost treasure of spiritual disciplines. Why? Why should we? Why should we go after the lost treasure of the spiritual disciplines? I mean, why is it that we should even embark upon the whole thing to begin with? I want to direct your attention to 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 7 and 8, where the Apostle Paul tells young Timothy this, But have nothing to do with worldly fables fit only for old women. On the other hand, discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness. For bodily discipline is only of a little profit, but godliness is profit for all things, since it holds promise for the present life and also the life to come. The Apostle Paul here is exhorting Timothy to discipline himself toward godliness. He goes on to say that bodily discipline profits a little. And we know that. Bodily discipline does profit us a little. It, it profits us if, it, if we take care of our bodies, if we have physical discipline in our lives and, and, and in terms of our nutrition and the food that we eat and getting exercise. Hey, it does profit a little bit. But even that, you never know when your number's up. You could have the highest nutrition content in your diet. You could be the most physically fit uh, person on the planet. And you just don't know when that physical body is going to give out. It could, it could give out at any point in time. But Paul says here to Timothy, hey, godly discipline, spiritual discipline, godliness is profitable for all things. It's profitable not only for this life, but the life which is to come. And so as you discipline your, yourself in godliness, you will become godlier. Paul goes on to tell Timothy, who was a pastor, to teach and prescribe these things to the people. So there again, as you discipline yourself in godliness, you will become godlier. You will become more like Christ, which is, of course, the goal of the Christian life, to become more like Jesus. And as you become more like Christ, the closer, better, more intimate, and more adventurous relationship you will have with Jesus Christ. So developing spiritual disciplines in your life will have two significant effects in your life. First, you will become more godly, more like Jesus. And second, you will experience a closer, more intimate, adventurous, and abundant relationship with Jesus. As you commit your life and your heart to Jesus and to these disciplines, your life and your heart will truly be with Christ. Jesus himself said in Matthew 6.21, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. In early 1947, a Bedouin shepherd boy named Muhammad was searching for a lost goat. He tossed a stone into a hole in a cliff on the west side of the Dead Sea in Israel, about eight miles south of the city of Jericho. To his surprise, he heard the sound of shattering pottery. So he went into the cave to take a look, and he discovered an amazing sight. On the floor of the cave were several large clay jars containing leather scrolls wrapped in linen cloth. 
And because the jars were carefully sealed, the scrolls had been preserved in excellent condition for nearly 1,900 years. The scrolls had been carefully stored there in the cave since 68 A.D. What the shepherd boy had discovered were manuscript copies of the Old Testament that had been painstakingly copied by the scribal community living in Qumran, right there near the Dead Sea, just a few miles south of the oldest city in the world, Jericho. God has declared his word to us, and it has been carefully handled copied and preserved for us. God has preserved his written word for you and for me. We have God's written word. Today, you and I have unlimited access to the word of God. We can go down to the bookstore and we can buy Bibles in 39 different translations. We can buy it in all kinds of uh, leather, metal, whatever kind of covering you want on it. We can access it on the internet. We can download it into our iPods and our computers. We have literally unlimited access to the Word of God. But the question is, do we avail ourselves to the Word as we should? According to a recent Barna study, only two out of ten Christians read the Bible every day. And in the, also in that study, almost 25% of the Christians asked say that they never read the Bible. Wow, what incredible statistics. In our Bible study today, we will see that it is continuing in the Word of God that makes us His disciples. If we hear it, read it, meditate in it, know it, and obey it, we are the disciples of Jesus Christ. Jesus, in our text today, will tell us that it's continuing in, living in the Word of God, that makes us His disciples. And Jesus tells us that if we continue in His Word, that we will truly be free, that we will truly have free lives. So today I want to talk to you about continuing in the Word of God. I want to talk to you specifically about daily devotions. If we discipline ourselves in daily devotions in God's Word, we will live a more free life than we ever have. So we need to live in God's Word daily and we will live free. So let's look down at John chapter 8, verse 31, live in God's Word. It says this, Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed Him, If you abide in My Word, you are My disciples indeed. An important spiritual discipline is that of daily devotions. The idea of daily devotions is that every day you set aside time that you are spending in God's Word. It's this idea that you have set aside some time each and every day. Uh, there's no set time of the day that, that is more uh, advantageous or better than, than, than the other, but you set aside a time somewhere within the day 
for spending that time in God's Word, for reading it, looking at it, repeating it, meditating in it, uh, so that you can live in God's Word. God, Jesus said here, if you abide in my Word, you are my disciples. Indeed, God's Word is food for your spirit. Just as you get up every single day and you take in food for your physical body so that your physical body can continue to function, so that it can be well-nourished, so that it can uh, continue on uh, in, in what, it's, what you're doing, it's the same way for your spiritual life. The Word of God is your spiritual food. And we need to have a daily intake of God's Word into our lives. It's very, very important. In fact, Jesus said in Matthew 4, verse 4, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Here is Jesus advocating that, guess what? You need some bread. You need to take in some physical food for your life. But guess what? Man is not to live by bread alone. We're not to live by physical food alone, but we're literally to live by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God, the word of God. And so it's very important. Daily reading and meditation in God's Word is vital to your spiritual life as a believer. And I can't stress it enough. It's absolutely vital. It's critical for your life. Jesus told the Jews who had believed in Him, If you abide in My Word, you are My disciples indeed. The Jews who had believed in Him, hey, guess what? If you abide in My Word, you are my disciples indeed. Now the word abide here in the, in verse 31 in the King James, the King James translation translate that, translate that, that word, uh, continue. If you continue in my word. Here in the NKJV, it's the word abide. In the original Greek manuscripts, it is the word meno. It means to remain in, to abide in, to continue in. When referring to a person, it means to live in. To live in God's Word, we're to remain in God's Word, we're to continue in God's Word, we're to abide in it, we're to literally live in it, we're to, our life should literally be uh, centered around God's Word. It should be that which, which uh, directs our path. The Bible itself says, hey, your Word is a lamp unto my feet, a light unto my path. And there's so many Christians today that go through life and, and, and they don't have this necessity in their hearts, in their spiritual life that says, you know what, I gotta, I gotta be in this book. I gotta, I gotta read it. And it's so important because it's the Word of God that literally lights our path. It's this idea that, that if you were, that you were out there in the world and it's, it's totally black, it's totally dark, and literally there's little lamps along the path that are lighting your way. That's the Word of the Lord the word of the Lord that's going to light your path. It's the word of the Lord that's going to give you direction. Hey, you can go out and do whatever you want. You can go out there. You're free to do whatever you want, live your life however you want, make the decisions however you want to do them. But if you want to be a disciple of Jesus Christ, if you want to live in God's word, hey, his word is the one that's going to direct your path and give light unto your feet. It's so, so very important. So we need to live in God's word. In John chapter 15, later in this same gospel, Jesus tells us that He is the vine and we are the branches. And He uses this uh, analogy of a tree or a, or a vine or whatever. And, and He's the, He's really the, the, the main trunk, the vine. And, and we're the branches. And, and He encourages us in that chapter there to, to live in Him. If, if, if we're literally a vine attached, uh, we're literally a branch attached to the vine, then, then, then we're living by virtue of the fact that we're connected to the vine. Uh, if you go out in your yard this afternoon and you, and you, and you take one of those, you know, kind of clipper things and you go up and you go, you know, and you clip off one of those branches, guess what? It's going to cease to live. 
It's going to cease to live. Why? Because it's no longer connected to the trunk of that tree. It's no longer connected to the vine. And, and that's how the branches live, by, by connection to uh, the, the vine. And it's the same way for us as believers. If he's the vine and we're the branches, that's how we're to live. Now, here's the thing. Earlier on in this gospel, here's how the Apostle John starts the gospel. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He calls him the Logos. He calls him, he calls Jesus the Word of God. And so if Jesus is the Word, and he is the vine, and we're the branches, and we're to live in him, we're to abide in the vine. Who is the vine? It's Jesus. It's the Word of God. It's the Logos of God. And so we're literally to live in the Word of God. Uh, John uh, records Jesus' uh, words here. If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. Hey, if you live in my word, we're to live in him. We're to live in his word. To live and to continue in his word, in order to do that, we must have a commitment. It takes a commitment. It takes dedication. Let's make no mistake about it. Hey, if you're going to do this, if you're going to discipline yourself toward godliness in the area of daily devotions and living and abiding in God's word. Hey, it takes a commitment. It takes dedication. We've got to have focus. We've got to say, you know what? That's something that I'm going to do. There's all these things that I could do with my time. Absolutely. And we sat down and wrote all the things that you could do with any given moment of your life. You could list them until the, you know, the, the, the cows come home. You could make a list. But if we're going to live and abide in God's word, hey, we've got to have a focus on it. Luciano Pavarotti said this, When I was a boy, my father, a baker, introduced me to the wonders of song, Pavarotti said. And he urged me to work very hard to develop my voice. Erigo Pola, a professor, a professional tenor in my hometown of Modena, Italy, took me as a pupil. I also enrolled in a teacher's college. On graduating, I asked my father, shall I be a teacher or a singer? Luciano, my father replied, if you try to sit on two chairs, you will fall between them. For life, you must choose one chair. I chose one. It took seven years of study and frustration before I made my first professional appearance. It took another seven to reach the Metropolitan Opera. And now I think whether it's laying bricks, writing a book, whether we choose, we, whatever we choose, we should give ourselves to it. Commitment, that's the key. Choose one chair. Choose one chair. And hey, there's a lot of different chairs that we could choose to sit in, uh, in our lives with the moments that we have in our life. And I want to uh, encourage you and exhort you to this morning to commit yourself to the chair of living and abiding in God's Word. And committing yourself to the discipline of daily devotions, the daily reading and meditating and, and abiding in God's Word. Jesus said that if you abide in my Word, in His Word, then you are His disciple. The word disciple means what? What is, what is it if we abide in his word, we're his disciples? Okay, well, that's great. Well, what, what is a disciple? A disciple means disciplined one. Who are Jesus' disciples? His disciplined ones. Those who continue in, take heed to, and make a high priority 
of his word. And that's what he said. Hey, if you abide, if you live in my word, you are my disciples indeed. And so that brings us to a very important question. How do we do this? It's, 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 it's a good idea, isn't it? And, and I probably, if I were to ask right now, he'd say, okay, who, who, who's on board? Who's on board? Who wants to commit themselves to the discipline of daily devotions, of living and abiding in God's Word? I'd probably get a great showing of hands right now. But the question is, hey, how do we do this? How do we go about living and abiding in God's Word? First, if you're taking notes, you must hear the Word of God. You must hear the Word of God. Um, Luke chapter 11 Verse uh, 27, turn over there real quick with me, just one book backwards, Luke chapter 11. Verse 27, it says this, And it happened as he spoke these things that a certain woman from the crowd raised her voice and said to him, Blessed is the womb that bore you and the breasts which nursed you. But he said, More than that, blessed are those who hear the word of God and keep it. Whoa! Here's this woman who's saying, hey, blessed is the womb who bore you, Jesus. You are something else. You are something special. Blessed is the womb. Blessed is the woman who bore you. And better than that, blessed are the breasts that nursed you. Yes, the, the uh, Sunday morning services are PG-13, okay? Blessed are the breasts that nursed you. But he said, more than that, blessed are those who hear the word of God and keep it. And so here's the thing this morning. Hey, blessed are you if you hear the word of God. If you make a regular uh, a, a practice of your life to hear the word of God. If that's part of your dedication, to hear the word of God. And guess what? That's what you've come to do today. You've come to hear the word of God. You've come to listen. You've come to hear it. You've come to take in the word of God. And so you're blessed. You're blessed. And don't you know that after you come and you hear the Word of God and you've opened up your heart to the Word of God, you walk away going, oh wow, what a blessing it was. What a blessing it was to spend that time in His Word. What a blessing it was to have it explained and taught and given the sense of it. Oh my goodness, I feel so much better. And if you're anything like me, sometimes, uh, you know, when uh, we, we, you know, I was going to church and we were uh, kind of during that time, we were going to Calvary Chapel, Merritt Island, and we were driving back and forth from from Orlando. And sometimes we'd try to talk ourselves out of going oh, it's a long drive and oh, I don't want to do it. And, and, and every time we'd get there and, and, and Pastor Malcolm would open up the word and he would just share the word with us and he would just express that meaning to us and all that. Oh, my goodness. Every time, every time we were blessed. We were blessed from hearing the word. And this is what Jesus is saying here. Blessed are those who hear the word of God and keep it. Romans 10 verse 17 says this. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Hearing by the word of God. And so, hey, sometimes when you, when you look at your situations in life and, and, and there are situations that begin to challenge your faith, they begin to challenge uh, not just your faith and belief, oh yes, there's a Jesus, yes, he did die on the cross, but they just begin to challenge your, your faith for living today, for how are we gonna make it, how are we, how are we gonna do it, and it's time that we spend hearing the word of God, spending in his word that, that, that increases our faith, and, 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 and you come to, coming to the Bible studies to hear the word. Guess what? 
how many of you, if I could bring you up here, just, you know, whoever wanted to come would say, hey, you know what? I walk out of here week by week after hearing the word of God. I'm more full of faith. I'm ready to do the things that God's called me to do in my life. I'm ready to go out there and face the world. Why? Because your faith has been strengthened. Why? Because you've heard the word of God. Paul said, hey, so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. One of the English Puritans, Jeremiah Burroughs, wrote in 1648 the following words of counsel regarding preparation for the discipline of hearing God's word. He said this, First, when you come to hear the word, if you would sanctify God's name, you must possess your souls with what it is that you are going to hear. That is, what you are going to hear is the word of God. Therefore, you find that the apostle writing to the Thessalonians gives them the reason why the word did so much good as it did. It was because they did hear it as the word of God. And so you come ready to hear the word of God, ready to possess your soul, ready to hear that which it is. What? The word of God. Paul said this in 1 Thessalonians 2.13. For this reason, we also thank God without ceasing, because when you receive the word of God, which you heard from us, You welcomed it, not as the word of men, but as it is, in truth, the word of God, which also effectively works in you who believe. Why was the word of God so effective in the lives of the Thessalonians? Why was it? Because when they heard it, they received it, not as the words of men, not as some guy, oh, you're just Paul, and you're just up there talking, and you're just kind of giving us all this stuff, and oh, it sounds good, but it's, oh, I'm not sure. No, no, no. They received it as the word of God. And that's why it became so effective in their lives and in their hearts. And if, and if you'll come and you'll practice the discipline of, of, of not only hearing the word, but preparing your hearts to hear, hey, guess what? I'm going to hear the word of the Lord. I'm going to hear the Lord, the word of the Lord. One of the things that Mary Jo and I do when we practice this, um, this, this, this habit, if you will, this discipline of, of praying on the way to church. I mean, we're all prayed up. Don't, don't get me wrong. I mean, we, we, we've spent time Saturday night praying and as soon as my eyes pop open in the morning on Sunday, the first thing I'm saying is, Lord, help me. <laughs> Lord, help me, please, because I can't do it without you. So I need your help. And uh, that's my first prayer when, my, when I see the, I'm laying like this and I see those digital numbers. But we have made a practice in our lives of praying on the way to, to, to church and just uh, preparing our hearts. And I want to encourage you to pr- practice that discipline too. Why? Because you're coming to hear the Word of God. And if you're coming to hear the Word of God, there's an idea of preparation to hear the God- Word of God. And if we prepare our hearts that it is the Word of God that we're coming to hear, guess what Paul says? Hey, that's the reason why it was so effective in your life, Thessalonians. That's why it was so fruitful in your life. Because you heard it not as the words of men, not as the words of, of just a person, but the words of God. And that's why I pray that, that, that you receive God's word. And that's why we look into it and we read it and we dissect it and we, and we look at it. And, 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 and somehow that I can be used of God to, to enlighten it to you, to teach you so that you can understand it. Not so much so that you can say, oh, that was so great how you put that, Charles. And what a funny story. And what a neat way you designed that Bible study, Charles. No, but you come away with the word of God. And I heard Pastor John Corson say one time, he said this, the more Bible I can get into the hearts of those who hear me, the better they'll be. The better their lives will be. The more what? The more word of God that, 
that I can get into those who hear me. And that's why we spend a lot of time reading the Word, looking at it specifically. Why? Because it's the Word of God. It's the living, active, powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. That which is going to pierce your heart. That's which is going to be effective in your life. If you hear it and keep it, as Jesus said there in that Luke passage. One method of living in God's Word is hearing it and then keeping it. Now, how else are we going to live and abide in God's Word? Another method of living in God's Word is reading the Word. Again, looking back to those Barna studies, a Barna study showed that only two of ten Christians read the Word of God every day. Only 20% of all Christians. That's not 20% of everybody. That's 20% of Christians read the Bible every day. And 25% of Christians say they never read the Bible at all. Reading the Bible is very important to the Christian life. Jesus read the Bible. He grew up reading and studying the Scripture as a faithful Jew would. He grew up in the wisdom and stature of the Lord and of being uh, raised in the Scriptures, going to synagogue. We know that he read from the Bible publicly. Luke 4, 16 uh, through 30 is an account where Jesus showed up after he had been tempted by Satan. He showed back up in his hometown of Nazareth and he made his way to the synagogue on the Sabbath day and, and he read from the Word of God. As a matter of fact, uh, Luke 4.16 says this, And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. What's that? As his custom was. As his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and he stood up to read. And from that chapter, we know that he was handed a scroll and it was the scroll of Isaiah. And he looked and he found the place in Isaiah where there was a specific prophecy. And he read this prophecy. We're not going to get into that this morning. You're welcome to turn, uh, to write that down and look at it again. But he said at the conclusion of that reading, he said, today in your hearing, this prophecy is fulfilled. And of course, they wanted to stone him and throw him off the precipice of the city. And now Nazareth, if you uh, have the opportunity to, to go there, maybe one of these days we'll organize a, a Calvary Chapel, South Orlando, uh, Israel tour. And uh, when you pull up and, they, and, and you come to, to Nazareth, you see the precipice of the, 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 the cliff of the city. And it was that, that precipice, that, that cliff, where they literally... Uh, we're going to throw him to his death uh, for declaring the, the word of God fulfilled in their hearing. And it was, it was a, a messianic prophecy uh, from, the, from the book of Isaiah. Now he read the scriptures. It was his practice. It was his custom. Jesus uh, made it uh, a discipline of his life to read the word. We need to read the word. And we need to read the whole Bible. We need to, we need to, you know, a lot of Christians are familiar with parts of the Bible. They know, you know, hey, can you recite the 23rd Psalm? Well, I can, you know, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, uh, and something and so forth like that. Yeah, yeah, something like that. Hey, can you, John 3.16, you know, for God so loved the world. Hey, and, and, and a lot of Christians are familiar with with little portions of the scripture. But guess what? If we're going to be his disciples, if we're going to be disciplined ones, if we're going to be those who discipline ourselves in the word, hey, we've got to read the Bible and, and we want to make ourselves uh, availed to all of the Bible. All the Bible. We need to read all the counsel and wisdom of the Lord. 
In fact, 2 Timothy 3.16 and 17 says this, All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. All Scripture, all Scripture is God-breathed. All Scripture is given under the inspiration of God and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. Hey, so that, so, that, so that you will be built up, so that you will be equipped, so that you will be thoroughly equipped for every good work. And so if all Scripture is useful for this teaching in your life and this equipping and this, and this training of your life in righteousness, then it's important that we avail ourselves to all of it. It's, it's important that we read it, and not just portions of it, but that we avail ourselves to all of it. The New Living Translation of that particular Scripture in Second Timothy reads like this, All Scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It straightens us out and teaches us to do what is right. It is God's way of preparing us in every way, fully equipped for every good thing God wants us to do. And so, hey, the Bible, every part of it, is all a part of God's plan for, for, for helping us to understand the right things that we're to do, the wrong things that we're not to do, the ways that we're to, to, to be trained in righteousness, the ways that we're to conduct our lives so that that we're prepared in our lives to be a disciple, to live the discipled life, the, the disciplined life. We need, to, we need to read the Word. And so we need to hear the Word. We need to read the Word. Thirdly, we need to discipline ourselves to study the Word, to study the Word of God. Not only do we need to read God's Word, we also need to study it. We need to become students of God's Word. That is hope, hopefully while you're here today because you want to be, you have a desire in your heart to be a student of God's Word, to study it, to, 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 to not just kind of hear it and, and go through the motions and, hey, when's that Pittsburgh game starting? When is it? Oh, it's one o'clock, isn't it? Isn't that right? Yes, I know you're, you're all ready and, 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 um, and we're going to see what happens this afternoon. But guess what? You're here. You're here for a reason. And I think the reason is because you want to be a student of God's Word, because you want to be informed from God's Word. And we need to be a student of God's Word. Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy 2.15, hey, be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. The King James uses the word study for be diligent. The King James would read like this, study to show yourself approved of God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. It's that word for study. It's that word for being diligent. The idea of, of, of studying, of, of, of digging into it, of, 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 of of uh, not just hearing it, not just reading it, but, but, but digging into it. Maybe you take the, the passages and the notes that you take here on, on Sunday and you take those throughout the week and you dig in there a little bit more. Maybe you go online and maybe get a, you know, a, a, a Bible dictionary or something, or maybe you, you, you look into it a little bit, a little bit deeper. You get some tools. There's some tools available to you to, to be able to do that. I know that, that there's a lot of tools out there for doing a lot of other things. Home Depot is filled with tools for fixing your house. And I, uh, you know, I, I wish, actually, I wish I was a little bit more handy around the house. I, 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 I'm not that handy. And, 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 and there's some people here uh, that can relate to me. You know, we're just, we're just not that ha- handy. Now, some of you are very handy. 
You can just fix stuff. And you know how to, you know, when you were 12, you were putting lawnmowers together. And we know you're very talented, you know. And, 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 and you know, there's a part of us deep down that we're just a little envious, you know. We, 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 didn't, we didn't take, you know, machine shop or, you know, metal shop, you know. We were taking, you know, other things, you know, how to tell people to fix stuff, you know. <laughs> you need people to fix stuff and you need other people to tell them to fix it. It's all important, you know. <laughs> Home Depot is very important. Lowe's. Why? Because we can go and get tools to fix our house. We can go and get the proper things that we need. And guess what? Just to, as we go to Home Depot to get the things to fix our house, we avail ourselves to the tools of studying God's Word, of, 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 of getting a good Bible. Maybe it's a study Bible. There's great there's great study Bibles that you can get out there. Life application study Bible is a good Bible. Actually, I'm pleased to announce Pastor Chuck Smith, pastor of Calvary Chapel, uh, Costa Mesa, is coming out with his very first study Bible. It's, it should be out sometime this year, and I'm looking forward to it. Maybe we'll have that available uh, in the coming weeks at our resource table. But availing ourselves to the tools so that what? So that we can study the Word of God. Ezra chapter 7 verse 10 says this, For Ezra had prepared his heart to seek the law of the Lord and to do it and to teach the statutes and ordinances in Israel. What's that? What did Ezra do? He prepared his heart to seek the law. He prepared his heart to seek it, to study it, to, 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 to get into it and say, hey, hey, hey what's this all about? And, 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 and how is it that, that God wants us to obey these things? And one thing that... Uh, that you'll, you'll know is if you begin to study God's Word, a good way to, to, to do that is, 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 to, is to begin to teach God's Word. Well, I don't have a class. Well, teach God's Word to your spouse. Well, that means i gotta got to know it a little bit better. That means i got to be able to kind of have an understanding of it. Exactly. How many of you know when you teach something, you have to have, hopefully, a better handle on it than the students coming into your classroom? You know, and, 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 uh, and, and you have to prepare and you have to, to know. And, and, and one of the things in, in preparing a Bible study for Sunday morning or Wednesday night or for whatever, the amount of material that, that, that has been studied and, and whittled down to that which is going to be presented in that particular study. It's, it's this much volume. And, and part of, of preaching and teaching is figuring out not what you're going to say, but what you're not going to say. You know, there's a lot of pastors out there that, are trying to figure out what in the world to teach on Sunday. I'm serious. I am serious. I mean, I'm, and I'm not making light of it in any way. And I, I, if I could talk to them and just say, hey, you know what? Just open up the Bible. Read the Word. Oh, no, but i got to try to see if I can find an outline on the Internet, you know? I had a friend who was going to this church. This is terrible. I really shouldn't say this, you know, because I, it's... I had a friend that was going to this church, and... He found his, the, pa- the series that the pastor was teaching, he found the whole thing on the internet. You know? Oh. It's, it's, it's this whole thing of, 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 you know, fast food and fast everything and let me just get a fast outline on the word so I don't really have to study, so that I don't really have to spend time and, 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 and just working through it. You know, and the Bible talks to, to pastors and leaders and stuff and says, hey, you know what? Study to show thyself approved. A workman who doesn't need to be ashamed. A what? A workman. A workman. 
Another place, Paul says, hey, you know what? The elder in your midst, the pastor, is worthy of double honor. And that idea of honor there is, is the idea of honorarium, is you know, kind of worthy of his, of, of his remuneration. But it says this, especially they that labor in the Word. And you know what I, I take out of that, that passage, that Scripture? The word labor. Especially they that labor in the Word. They that spend time digging in and laboring and sitting themselves down and say, you know what, I'm going to labor in this Word. I'm not going to force feed you a fast, slick outline that I found on uh, the internet last night. No, I'm, I'm going I'm to look in here and I'm going to say, you know what, this is what God's Word says. And you know what, I have to spend most of my time as I d- d- divide through all this, figuring out what I'm not going to be able to say because I've only got 45 minutes. And sometimes I try to take an hour. And it's, it's, it's a lot of times more about what I'm not going to be able to say than what I'm going to say. Why? And I'm saying all this to say this. If you're going to teach God's Word, you're going you're to be exposed to the volume of it and just the, the weight and the power and just the incredible nature of God's Word. And then you're going to be able to just pour that forth and teach that. And maybe teach your children. Teach your children, hey, this is, this is the Word of God. This is, the, you know, this and that. And, 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 and I want to encourage you dads to do that. Be a teacher. Oh, I'm not a teacher. Yes, you are. Yes, you are a teacher of the Word of God if you'll, just, if you'll just take that role that God has given you in the Word of God. Now, so we need to hear the Word, we need to read the Word, we need to study the Word. We also need to memorize the Word. We need to memorize the Word. The, the psalmist uh, in, in Psalm 119 verse 11 says this, Your Word have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. A perfect example of this is Jesus. When he was uh, led out into the desert uh, to be tempted by Satan, the account of that temptation is found in Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 through 11. Jesus handled the temptation with the scripture that he had memorized. He didn't open up a scroll and say, Oh, by the way, Satan, somewhere in here it says something about, uh, you know, something about what you just told me. You know, you want me to turn this, I know, I know I'm very hungry, I know I've been fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, and now you're tempting me, and, and now you want me to take this stone and turn it into a, a loaf of bread because I'm very hungry, and, and because I'm God, and you know it, and I have the capability of doing that. He didn't, he didn't pull out his PDA that he had the, you know, the, the New King James Version, you know, right there and says, uh, just a minute, Satan, let me see here. Yes, Deuteronomy chapter. You know what Jesus said? He said, it is written. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. He proceeded to quote from the law of God, from the Torah. But it wasn't just in his mind, it was in his heart. It was something that he had memorized, but it wasn't a rote memorization of just something, hey, you know, when you kind of cram for the test and, 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 and you know, the night before and you got to cram for this exam and, and you got to get it all into your head and, and, and you got the graphs and you got the different, you know, so you can do the multiple choice and you can, you know, you train your mind to kind of see and pick it out. It, it wasn't like that because, you know, uh, how many of you have done that and then the next week if you answered one question from the test, you'd be lucky. <laughs> You know, kind of like these, uh, what's that test they make the students take? Huh? FCATs. 
Don't get me started on that, all right? Don't get me started on that. The Afghans. There was, I was listening to the radio this week. There's a countdown clock in the classroom of this kid. Countdowning the days and the hours and the minutes to the FCAT test. Hey, we got to have it in our minds. We got to have it in our hearts. And that's what Jesus did. He hid it. He hid God's word in, in his heart so that when it came time for the temptation time, he was able to say, you know what? You know what? You know what? It is written that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. It's got to be in our heart as well. And if we hide the word in our hearts, it will begin to burn like a fire in our hearts. How many of you know the Bible says this? If you'll take the Bible and you'll begin to, 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 to commit yourself to it, to live into it, to abide into it, each and every day of your life, that it will literally begin to burn in your heart, in your soul like a fire. One of my favorite verses is Jeremiah 20, verse 9, where Jeremiah said this, Then I said, I will not make mention of him, nor speak any more in his name. But his word was in my heart like a burning fire, shut up in my bones, and I was weary of holding it back, and I could not. Why? Because, because the word of God was in his heart, was in his heart, and if we'll, we'll memorize it and we'll put it in his heart, and, and, and not just in our minds, but we'll just allow it to be in our hearts, then it will be like a fire. And then when temptation comes, when tribulation comes, that fire will burn, and the faith that comes from the Word of God and that we've heard and studied and looked at and read and, 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 and memorized will come and burn like a fire in our hearts, and God's Word will carry you through, it will carry us through. Now, not only do we need to memorize it, but we also need to meditate on the Word. Meditate on the Word. When some believers today think of meditation, they think of Eastern religions. Well, I'm a Christian. We don't meditate. That's for, you know, people who are into kind of those Eastern religions and Buddhism and kind of, om, om, you know, and that kind of stuff. We don't do that, do we? We're Christians. Meditation is kind of, uh, what? It couldn't be further from the truth. Meditation is a huge part of the Bible. In fact, we are told, if not commanded, to meditate. To do what? To meditate. Wrap your mind around that. To do what? To meditate. The Bible, I could, I could go through scripture after scripture after scripture of the, the Bible's commands for us to meditate on the Lord, for us to meditate in the Word. We are told to meditate on the Lord, meditate on the Word. In fact, Joshua 1, verse 8 says this, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. The word meditate there in Joshua 1, 8, it means this. It means to moan, to growl, to utter, to muse, to mutter, to meditate. It's that idea of kind of meditate on something, kind of, kind of repeating it. You know, Eastern religion have that, you know, where you take a thought or you take a word and you kind of repeat it and whatever. That's not some type of Eastern religion thing. That's, that's a Bible meditation thing because we're supposed to do that not with some arbitrary idea, not some with arbitrary fact out there that's going to somehow bring peace and harmony to our lives, but we're to meditate and to mutter on and to repeat and to, to settle our hearts on what? The Word of God to meditate in it day and night, that it may not even depart from our mouths. God said to Joshua, 
For then what? For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. Now, how many want to make your way prosperous and have good success? All right, here's what you do. Do not let the book of the law, do not let this book depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. Meditation is where you take the reading of God's word one step further. This is where you reread it, memorize it, think on it, and repeat it. The, this puts the scripture deep into your mind and spirit, deep into your heart, where it can begin to burn like a fire. Puritan pastor Thomas Watson said this, The reason we come away so cold from the reading of the word is because we do not warm ourselves at the fires of meditation. Of meditation. Hey, if you'll take one scripture from your reading, maybe just sit and think about it for a while. Reread it to yourself. Oh, what are you talking about, Pastor? This isn't Christian. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. We're to, we're to, we're to, to ponder on the word. We're to think about it. We're to reread it. We're to, the idea of, you know, you know, when, um, I believe it, Correct me if I'm wrong, any Bible scholars out here, but it, when, when Rachel, Jacob's wife, was being brought to him, the Bible says that he was actually meditating. And the idea there is that he was just kind of muttering to himself. He was just kind of, you know, med meditating. It was in his mouth. It was in his mind. It was in, it was in his heart. Meditating. He was found meditating when his wife was brought to him. Hey, that's a good thing. You single guys out there, you <laughs> single guys you're meditating in the word you're meditating in the word the next thing you know a woman walks up to you with angels singing and a glow all around her the provision of the Lord the he who finds a wife finds a good thing the Bible says amen guys So we warm ourselves at the fire of meditation. So when are we supposed to practice these disciplines of living in God's Word? When are we supposed... That's great. Hearing it. Reading it. Studying it. Memorizing it. Meditating on it. Great things, Pastor. But when are we supposed to do this? When in the world? Well, first it must be a priority in your life. Just like the illustration of the, the Luciano Pavarotti where he had to choose between the two chairs, the two, the two careers, if you will. We've got to choose the priority of living and abiding in the Word of God. It's got to be a priority. You need to make this discipline an absolute priority in your life. And I don't know how to do that for you. I don't know. I, I can just say, hey, you, you need to make it a priority. You need to say, hey, you know, this is going to be a priority and I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. It's, it, you know, I don't know whether better way to put it than the way Nike put it. Hey, just do it. Just do it. Make it a priority. Make it a priority. Back in the book of Exodus, when the instructions were given for the tabernacle and for the priesthood, the priests were given specific instructions for the, the different sacrifices that they were to make before the Lord. Exodus 29, 
38 through 43, and, and we've lost our time, and so we don't have time to reference that. I was going to reference that, but let me just tell you. In that passage in Exodus 29, they were given specific instructions as to the sacrifices that they were to make as priests and high priests under the Lord. And one of the sacrifices was to be a daily sacrifice. There would be two lambs that would be sacrificed, a sacrifice of a lamb in the morning at sunrise, and a sacrifice in the evening at dusk or, or right at sunset. And, and they were to be two sacrifices and they were instructed that this was to be a continual sacrifice throughout the generations. That these sacrifices would take place every day without fail, without hesitation, without compromise, without uh, we had something better to do, without uh, the game was on, uh, without oh I had to mow the lawn and the kids and uh, no, without fail those sacrifices were to be given one in the morning and one in the evening. When were the priests, when the priests were consecrated for service, they were instructed to bring these sacrifices, these specific sacrifices, every morning and every evening. And it was to be a continual burnt offering throughout the Lord, throughout the generations. Now the New Testament tells us that the believer is a priest under the Lord. Peter tells us in 1 Peter 2.9 that we are a royal priesthood. Every believer is a priest under the Lord. You're a priest of the Lord. How do you know? The Bible tells us that. That we're a royal priesthood, a holy nation. A holy nation. That you are a priest of the Lord. That you, are, as a believer, have been consecrated for what? The service of the Lord. You've been given the highest call of ministry that there is. What's that? To serve the Lord. And if you were in our Exodus study, you, this sounds very familiar. The service of the Lord is the highest call of ministry. And you've been given that call as a believer in the Lord. Our sacrifice, uh, as priests, we are to bring daily sacrifices. Just as those priests were to bring those two daily sacrifices, one in the morning, one at night, our sacrifice is being in the Word every day and night. Remember the verse, Joshua 1.8, that we just read. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it, what? Day and night. What's that? Day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it, for then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. It's a daily sacrifice to the Lord, and that is how you live in God's Word, as Jesus told us all the way back in our text in John chapter 8, verse 31. If you abide in my Word, you are my disciples indeed. If you what? If you live in my Word, day and night, day and night, make it a priority in your life. And lastly this morning, if we'll do these things, guess what? We're going to live free lives. Verse 32 says this, and you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. Now Jesus tells us that there are two things that will happen if we discipline ourselves in living in the word of God. First, we will know the truth. If you'll discipline yourself in abiding and living and remaining and continuing in the Word of God day and night as a priest unto the Lord offering sacrifice, the sacrifice of meditating in, reading, memorizing, studying, hearing the Word of God, if you'll do that, if you'll discipline yourself in that, then you are going to do one thing. this one thing's going to happen in your life. You're going to know the truth. You're going to know the truth. And Jesus, in this book, in John, he calls himself the way, the truth, and the life. And if we know, if we're in the Word, if we abide in His Word, guess what? We're, we're not going to just know words, black print on white paper. We're going to know the Lord. We're going to know the Lord. And that's why it's going to bring this the most revitalized, refreshing, adventurous, 
uh, intimate relationship with the Lord that you've ever had, if you'll commit yourself to this, you'll know the truth. You'll know the truth. You'll know the truth of God's Word. You'll know the truth, the right and wrong. You'll know the truth of, 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 of what to do and what not to do and how to honor the Lord. We're, we're told in, in um, I believe it's Ephesians, just trying to recall, like Samuel Alito, trying to recall a case from 1985, you know? I believe it's Ephesians where we're supposed to find out what pleases the Lord and do it. Well, how do we find out what pleases the Lord? Well, we look into His Word to find out what pleases And if we are in His Word, we're going to find out what pleases Him and we're going to honor Him. We're going to do the, we're going to know the truth. We, we, we will know the truth. And second, we will be made free. If we discipline ourselves in the daily devotions in the Word of God, we will live free. We will be free from worry. Free from sin, free from distraction. We will be free in Jesus Christ. We'll be totally, totally, totally free. And I think sometimes we as Christians kind of walk around going, oh, well, we're saved, but we're still living in certain bondages because we're, we're not in the Word as we should be and we're not committing ourselves to certain things. We're bound up in our finances because we, we haven't committed those things to the, to the plan of God's Word. We're bound up in our relationships because we haven't committed our relationships to the plan of God's Word. We're bound up in all these ways. And if we'll get into the Word, He says, hey, you're going to abide in these things. You're going to live in these things. You're going to know the truth. And the truth is going to make you free. You're going to live a more free life than you ever thought was possible. Why? By a, How? By obeying and living and abiding in God's Word. Truth in the Bible is more than just a fact that is true. It carries with it the connotation of something that is ultimately real. If you live in the Word, you will know ultimate reality. You will know Jesus, who's the ultimate reality. And you'll have freedom. Hey, freedom, isn't that what you want? Isn't that what we crave? We cra crave to be free. We, 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 we crave, I mean, if, if, if I could say, hey, you know, paint a picture of your life and how you would want it to be, it, it, I, you know, I'll just ask myself here because I can't speak for you, but, you know, free from everything. Free, free, free just to live. Free to, free to run across the beach and, and, and not have to be somewhere else where someone else wants me to be. Free, free, free. And guess what? By being in the Word of God is how we're going to have that freedom. You're not going to turn around next week and be financially freed where you can just fly around the world and run across beaches. Don't get me wrong. Okay? Although that would be nice. Or maybe for you it's a tea time every morning freedom. But guess what? God's Word says that we're going to be free in our spirits, in our relationships, in our, in our relationship with Him. Freedom is what He offers. Freedom is what Jesus offers. The Word of God will make you free in every way. Free from worry. So if you want to be truly free, then the choice is clear. You need to discipline yourself in daily devotions in the Word of God. You need to develop the discipline of living in the Word of God. Will you do that this year? Will you develop the discipline of daily devotions in your heart and in your life? Make it a practice. Make it a priority. Make it the chair that you sit in. John chapter 8, verse 31 and 32 says this in closing. Then Jesus said to those who believed in Him, If you abide in My Word, you are My disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we love you so much and we thank you for your word. It's living and powerful and active. Lord, and we pray, Lord, right now that you would activate it in our lives as we've heard it this morning. 
Lord God, that it would activate and impact uh, our lives in such a way, Lord God, that we would be disciplined. We would be your disciples. Lord, we pray right now that you would make us all disciplined in the area of living and abiding in your word. That we would make a practice in our hearts and lives of the daily devotions in your word. Lord, that we'd make some type of commitment, Lord, that we'll say, hey, we'll spend a couple of minutes in the morning. A couple minutes in the afternoon, maybe in the evening. Lord, to spend time in Your Word, to, to read it, to rehearse it, Lord. To memorize it, to study it, Lord. That it may burn in our hearts like a fire. And that we may know the truth and be free in you. And Lord, we ask these things in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, amen.